0: That's a growler.
1: Welcome back to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we break down and analyze Beauty and the Beast one jello, suffocating minute at a time. I'm Bobby.
2: And I'm Janae. And today we have a special guest with us. His name is George, well,. His name is Matthew Georgeson, but I know him as George. So thanks for coming on. Hi, thank you. Do you want to you. tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: Yes, my name is Matt Georgeson. I go by George because there are plenty of Matts in the world. Um, I teach lighting and sound. That's what I do for stage and film and stuff.
2: George was one of my professors when I was in college. So I'm excited to have one of my trusted mentors on with us today. <laughs> But seriously, I can't tell you how many times I was like sitting in his office crying about something or other and he's just like, it's okay. Now get back to work. (laughs) In a loving way, of course.
3: (laughs) Loving nothing. You needed to get back to work. Anyway.
2: Uh, All right. So. Yep. So we are starting off today's minute back in our good old song, Be Our Guest, right?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Minute 39 starts off with Lumiere singing, suddenly those good old days are gone, and ends with a chorus of dishes singing that they're obsessed. Yes. So, Janae, what do you have to to kick us off this minute?
2: Um, well, we uh, start off the minute with the salt shakers, like, snowing, basically, on uh, Cogsworth. And I really was excited to have George on today because he is a technical theater professor and his specialty is lighting. And so I was wondering, George, if you would talk a little bit about the effect that lighting has on the story that you're telling and maybe the influence that the lighting that they used in this minute has on the mood, I guess.
3: Well, of course, I, you know, I have an important bias. This is what I do. So, of course, I'm going to say... Lightning has everything to do with it, but truly it does. <laughs> I mean, it's a very dramatic scene. I mean, it's, it starts off and it, you, there's a, already in the, in the animation, in the picture that's being created, there's already a very narrowly defined, um, space of light. And we really only focus on the two figures within that light. And, uh, it's actually kind of smart of the, how the animators did it. It really harkens back to that cabaret feel. Um, especially with the, with the deep blue overtones. The entire scene is overlaid with this blue. And so it really catches this moment of Cogsworth, uh, Lumiere, talking about how sad everybody is because Cogsworth's not there. And then, you know, they break a little bit of the fourth wall there by going up to the going up to the salt shakers. And that's the kind of thing they would do in the cabarets all the time, is that they would use these kind of cheesy um, special effects and things, but you just kind of went with it. And it's really hilarious because Cogsworth is the ultimate straight man. You know, he makes things funny because he reacts so matter-of-fact to everything, and Lumiere is the ultimate yeah. romantic. And so, I mean... And so you get the stark contrast of this deep blue of Cogsworth trying to, you know, just get out of this light and Lumiere, you know, being just holding on, clinging to him and this really corny salt shaker <laughs> business. But you buy into it because you want to buy into Lumiere's world because it's happy. It's exciting. You know, it's be our guest. It's not, I'm going to tell you bad jokes with bad puns. No, if it ain't Baroque, don't it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> uh...
0: Anyway, I got more to say (laughs) later, but
3: that's, I mean, this scene, this, this particular moment in particular, this very beginning is, I mean, this is straight up French cabaret stuff, and the animators cheat a lot, and I love it, because they don't put in the shadows that would, that you would have to have in real life. It's, it's so cheating, and, and and I wish I could do it in real life, because if you really lit the scene this way, the shadows would look horrible. (laughs) But the animators only put in the ones that, that they Uh want. I
1: never noticed that.
3: Oh, yeah. It makes quite a difference after you like Beauty and the Beast three or four times as a musical. They want to see the movie, but what they don't realize is the movie isn't real.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Minor details.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, Uh, keep going.
2: Yeah. So, thanks. That's exactly what i wanted to hear i was Mm -hmm. wondering also bobby at this beginning part because this is the part where everybody gets into the timeline and because they says 10 years we've been resting needing so much Mm -hmm. more than dusting and so in in view of your ongoing theory about the magic and the curse and blah, blah, blah. Does this fit in? Because in the new movie... George, have you seen the new Beauty and the Beast movie?
3: No, but it is on my short list to watch this next week or so.
2: So Bobby hasn't seen it yet, but I've seen it. And they took that lyric out of the new version they just said Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um too long we've been resting so we haven't really come to a conclusion have we bobby because it's always chip that's the problem
1: yeah i mean i i stick pretty firmly with with the line that it has been 10 years so i think they they tried to to weasel their way out of it with the new movie (laughs) but you still got the issue of of the aging but uh, i think i'm still leaning towards the The idea that the beast is the one that is aging and everybody else is kind of held at their current or the the age that they were at when the curse was put in place. Because they're all turned into objects. So an object is not going to age the same as a living thing. And maybe that's why they're all objects and not like animals or something.
0: Good point. Mm, That's interesting.
3: I've never heard of Quite that way. In my usual research on the story, there's uh, usually some part of the curse effect is that um, the the servants are somehow rendered mostly immune to the effects. They are in some way either made invisible, made into objects, whichever, any of the above, but they're immune to the effects other than they're gradually disappearing or somehow becoming more as the objects themselves Mm -hmm. losing their humanity. And so there's that definite sense there, but it's all tied to the beast, and um, it's kind of on the fence whether or not the beast actually Ages. Um, some versions I've studied, the beast ages, but much, much slower. And so, therefore, this castle's been here for hundreds of years, which would make sense why nobody under Nobody's actually hmm. knows that it's there. Whereas, if it was only literally ten years ago, I mean, it's not like you're going to forget the fact that there was a, a rude, obnoxious lord <laughs> ten years ago. But I don't know. You know, this is this is the wonderful world of movies and magic and things. We can we can. I mean, there's a talking <laughs> clock and a singing candle. Like, yeah. How much can well, we you get? also
2: have to keep in mind that. I mean, there are so many different versions of this classic French tale that they all are different. And so, I don't know. I kind of am of the my personal view is that there's not necessarily one right or wrong explanation for it. They're all just fun and could possibly be possible. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, okay so one minute one thing that i love in this minute is when lumiere is saying that they need exercise and he like taps cogsworth's belly like he has a pot belly but all you hear is this little ding 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 like tapping on glass uh i just thought that was such yeah. a h- hilarious audio sound moment that i love yeah that's
3: I mean, that's absolutely it. That's, that's the thing that really will draw the audience in is being able to provide those extra little touches to, I mean, you'll notice even when they, when they, when they jump around, they dance, whatever, you know, you'll hear the little yeah. of Coxworth feet or the clink, clink, clink yeah. of uh, Lumiere's candlestick or, you know, these extra little pieces and that's, I mean, if you didn't have them, this would be this movie would would not draw you in. It would hmm. be fake. It be yeah. very, very artificial.
2: Bobby, did you have a note about the physics of his flying into the jello? <laughs> Usually, you have those kinds of notes, but I noted it this time.
1: I didn't. I didn't have one about him oh. flying into it. But it is something that always concerned me as a child. <laughs> I was like, wait, his head is like completely in the jello. Like he would be suffocating by the he, the jello would kill him and he doesn't stay in there long enough for it to but i remember being worried about that as, as a kid watching this movie and be like he can't breathe in there his head is completely in the jello he can't breathe
2: i never worried about that for some reason but i do love how they like magnified his head as you're looking at him through the jello did you guys notice yeah. that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's so funny
3: that's the two 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 parts that first of all there. And magnifying his reactions because he can't speak, he's caught in the jello, right? So, so now the face has to take over that expression. I'm sorry if I'm being too analytical in this, you know, but that's the professional storyteller. They have to. They took away one of the the three big elements that you that you have as an actor or actress or whatever a performer, and so they have to magnify the other tools that are left to still allow that communication. Another big thing is that jello does do mm-hmm. weird things optically. Not quite as extreme as they show in the movie, but it does do some crazy junk. I mean, if you've ever looked through junk, mm-hmm. and now there's dead signs. Oh, you have. <laughs> <good. Everybody laughs> I wouldn't recommend, you know, wearing it outside. It tends to get kind of goofy. Okay, whatever, you know. I feel it's really good for the skin right around the eyes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so okay. I'm going to say one quick thing real quick, and we'll look into this later. But one of the things that I love in this minute is uh this whole beginning section until after Lumiere launches. Cogsworth out of the, uh, jello. The major tone, the major background color is this deep blue, you know, once in keeping with it, with the mood of the scene and everything, the mood of the song. And we're getting pretty much straight up very saturated colors, but we're all still living in this blue and yellow mostly range. And then as soon as he launches Cogsworth out and the music changes to Mrs. Potts' thing, all of a sudden we go back to the same, to the same basic lavender overtone that we get through the, most of the rest of the movie. And it's one of the nifty things is that they adhere so well the animation of this movie to follow the same kind of uh, color construction that I would use in lighting Mm. the musical. I mean, it's all pink and lavender anytime there's this this love kind of uh, romance or uh, or, uh, these kind of songs happen. But when it's not, when, when those scary moments, we go back to really stark, basic lighting and really basic colors. And it's kind of something really, really cool. You also notice that the shadows are much more defined in those other moments than in, than in the happy moments. The happy moments, they're shadows, but they're really just there to kind of help you place where stuff is. In these other sections, the shadows are like actually what they're, and they do things. They help create that mood. Anyway.
1: So I've got a question for you, George, that'll probably show my ignorance as far as uh, stage production and uh, stuff goes. <laughs> is there... Is there just, like, yeah, one fine. version of, like, Beauty and the Beast for stage that everybody does, or are there different versions? And have you—if there are different versions, have you done different ones?
3: Um, the biggest one is, of course, the Disney adaptation, um, that's been kicking around for years, has been revised, I don't know how many times now, but, um, everybody's done that one at least once, everybody. It's, it's, it's a great show, it's fun, people love to do it, people love to come see it, even though the royalties are high, they can't cope of it, so it's a, it's a very good show to do, um, <laughs> Leaders like to make money, too. Hey, what? Who knew?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Plus, you know, once you get people to come, you know, then they have a tendency to keep coming as long as your product is still good. There's, There's a couple of different versions out there, but the Disney one's by far the most famous, the one that you'll see the most. I personally have only done the Disney version, but I have read a couple of scripts for the other ones, and some are all right. But most of them are not ones that an audience wants to sit through. When they come to see Beauty and the Beast, they really expect the the Disney one with all the fun songs. Because really, the songs that I think are, mm-hmm. would be a huge part of the show.
0: Yeah,
2: I agree. So does
1: the does the stage performance pretty much follow this version of the movie, or does it have like I think the the new movie has some stuff that was cut out of the script that didn't make it into this uh, ninety one version.
3: Um, so the script for the stage and the and the movie are different. Um, the core of them still the same. A lot of the music still in the same place. You know, some of the lines are changed, like the, uh, 10 years we've been rusting or whatever. And so, you know, little, little things like that. Um, there's also a couple of numbers that are in the stage version that aren't in the, that aren't in the 91 animation and vice versa. And it's, it's just minor. Really, in the end, it's, it's the same story. You're just, you're just missing bits and pieces here and there okay. from different parts.
2: I would say that the stage version is probably a little bit closer to, the original animated version than the new movie is, if that makes any sense.
3: Yes, the new one yeah. has been heavily revised.
2: I mean, it's still the same, but it's definitely way more different than the stage version is from the animated version, okay. I think.
3: I I would tend to agree with yeah. that just based on what I've seen. Part of that is because the just how we like our entertainment now. We evolve the way we tell stories different all the time. And so the way that I would like the show now would be drastically different than I would like the show even two, three Mm -hmm. years ago, the last time I did it. I mean, it's just always, always crazy, always different. Well, and
2: that's what makes it so you can keep doing a show over and over again is because you bring something new to it and a different perspective, different ideas, different directors, different actors, different production team, all of those things create differences so that you don't get completely sick of it plus what the
3: well not just that but the audience is always different too i mean there's different things that happen i mean now we have president trump whereas we Mm -hmm. didn't used to i mean and that's just one small factor uh you know uh, we have drastically we have a drastically different world right now than we did yeah even six months ago let alone you (laughs) know back in 91 you know that was George Bush senior moving towards Clinton in it's talking about presidents but it you know uh, the, the world is so drastically different i mean it's it's crazy to think about but i mean it's it's so the story would not would definitely not be the same if they were to produce the movie you know exactly cold from scratch right yeah. now it would yeah. be radically different
1: yeah i noticed that a lot um, cuz i listen to a lot of the other movie by minutes podcasts and one of my favorites is the the Indiana Jones minute And they're doing Temple of Doom right now. And a lot of (laughs) what they talk about is, like, how horribly they stereotype everybody in India and like the food they ate and like they throw in uh, for short round like his little Asian ditty music like whenever he shows up on scene and they're like wow this is just horrible uh, <laughs> and it definitely wouldn't be done that way if the movie was, was put out now
0: no
3: uh, and that's that's a wonderful and a terrible thing all at the same time I mean yeah I mean <laughs> it was there's something to be said for that fun cheesy camp business I mean it was even campy back then but you know and it was it was of course it was stereotyping or whatever but back then Everybody would laugh at it. Now it would be like you're perpetuating the problem.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Um. So are we okay to move on into the kitchen with Mrs. Potts? Absolutely. Okay, so first of all, there's a sink, Bobby. Um, yes. We, we talked uh, well, a few minutes ago about when Chip comes in and tells Mrs. Potts that um, there's a girl in the castle. And she's like, no, there isn't. Stop telling tales. Get in the bath. And She's washing the dishes in a wooden bucket and we were like, don't they have a sink? That's weird. And now we know they do have a sink and she has a face.
1: Yeah, so I was I was thinking maybe that's why uh, Mrs. Potts was washing the the dishes there in a tub is that It was late at night. You know, she's getting chip ready for bed. Well, I'm assuming it was late.
2: The sink faucet was asleep?
1: Yeah, she didn't want to bother the faucet because that's a person turned into a faucet, (sighs) which, first of all, would be pretty horrible because she's bolted down. She can't go anywhere. She's stuck there for 10 years looking at that sink. Squirting water out of her nose.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's horrible. It looks like her... Her pump handle does not look like it's even attached to her head, though. Did you notice that? Or
3: oh, yeah, there's no lever.
1: There's no uh, there's no pump down into the interior of the
2: yeah. of the head. I was like, how does that work? Well,
1: she just squirts it out, you know? There's a, she has like the two little pieces that go towards like the middle of the lever and then there's one, you can't really see it. It blends in with the background, but if you go frame by frame, at one point her head is tilted kind of towards, the top of her head is tilted towards the viewer.
3: Oh, there it is. Yep, I see it. I see it. Wait, wait. It's a gray thing. It's a gray thing. It's right, oh, it's like in the middle of the 23 second, you can see it as she tilts her head to the right, well, to downstage. Oh,
2: it's like purpley colored? Yeah. That is why deep, you can't see it. Gray
3: purple. Yeah. because it blends right in with the dishes in the background.
2: Yeah. Okay. I was like, what good, the... Good call,
3: Robert. I didn't even see that. Good job.
1: Yeah. It could have been magic, but no, this this one actually makes sense, even though she is magic. <laughs>
2: She looks kind of snobby. Or like old, well, maybe. She, she is old.
1: They're, they're,
3: once again, they're using stereotypes, right? Yeah. Cause that's what you do. That's a, that's a cheap shortcut. It's just like using stock characters. And so, you know, what would you imagine a woman who makes her, who gets her living by washing dishes? What would she look like? She'd be pretty worn down because that's this is what she has left. This is what she does.
2: That's true. She does the whole thing with her eyes closed, too. Yeah.
1: She's just like, I'm not even going to bother <laughs> opening my eyes all the way. And again, she's been bolted in the same spot for 10 years.
2: Yeah, she's like, I can do this in my sleep. She's
3: spreading water out of her nose. I mean, really, how much do you want to look at things that are just getting washed by your snob? <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh... Ugh. Ew. <laughs> um, well, another question I had was that why are they washing so many dishes like that is a lot of dishes to be washing when, first of all, not that many people are eating like and it's the middle of the night from what I understand. So are they just washing them so that they can be ready to go on stage for this cabaret? This <laughs>
3: like. Yeah, this big, this big number, this big thing. This is the this is the moment where the servants can show Belle how how thrilled they are that she's there. Yeah. And so they're all there. They're all trying to show Belle, hey, look, you know, we're regardless of what the Beast says, we are so excited you're here. Yeah. And uh, I also think this can be another big reason why uh, why they did why they used the bucket in the beginning. First of all, look at the size of that sink. That think Belle is huge. <laughs> you know, it's not we're firing that whole thing up just to wash Chip. right (laughs) but um another another thing would be uh you know apathy you know hey look there's a girl in the castle and now we know she's going to stay right so let's let's make her stay let's start being charming let's start doing what we can do to to really show her how much we care we appreciate and so everybody's getting ready and they're they're but they're they're not the way and once again this fits in with the idea that they're servants They're showing off everything they do in the background and saying, look how cool we can do this. You know, we are so thrilled that you're you're here. We're going to do it all. And we're going to show you that we're going to do it great. And this is just because you're here.
0: Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I love the bubbles in this part. Mm Mm-hmm. So it makes it magical and energized like there's a lot. It it heightens the activity that's going on in the scene already.
3: Absolutely. Plus it sets up immediately for the champagne bottles and white glasses to come in right during the next little couple of seconds. Yeah, it makes a natural transition, I right
1: think. I like the the sounds, like you can hear all the dishes back there doing their thing and yeah. getting washed. But it also makes me really scared that they're all going to break. They're bouncing around and jangling on each <laughs> other, and I try to be really careful with our dishes, but they still get broken somehow. So mm-hmm. that always makes me a little nervous. <sighs> yep, clang clang.
2: Um, something that I also hadn't really thought about was that she says that she had the napkins freshly pressed. And I was wondering, okay, is that something that they just did because she showed up? Or I was wondering, I think it's because they, even though maybe they didn't have anyone there, they continued on with all their normal household chores. And so they happened to just... Have done all of the napkins and pressed them and everything, so they kept that routine. I don't know, I think a little bit of
3: both. I think this is their tie into uh, once again, Air starts the song saying how apathetic they were becoming. Yeah, you know, That's there's true. only so many times you can press the napkins or even press a shirt right before you and you never wear the shirt, and then you start thinking, Well, why on earth am I still keeping the shirt nicely ironed? Why does this matter?
2: Right, right. The napkins are pretty cool looking, though. I think they did a good job. They look like whirling dervishes. I always
1: thought it was cool how they they spin around and kind of like float as they're spinning.
2: Yeah. I love it. I actually was like, I I had the thought, oh, they look like whirling dervishes. And then I was like, but I don't actually know what a whirling dervish is. So I had to go look it up (laughs) to make sure that I wasn't going to say something stupid on our podcast. And
3: (laughs) Whirling dervishes are awesome.
2: I know. It's so cool. So it's like part of this particular order of the islamic f- faith and it's from turkey the and... equivalent of islamic monks
3: they are based yeah. in turkey, yes. and when they feel for lack of better words the spirit strongly once again for lack of better words when they feel spiritually moved they they stand up they put one arm up and they just whirl around and they they just do this yeah. and it's, it's crazy and it's beautiful and it's wonderful if you have seen joda akbar which is a bollywood film you know that that does a wonderful kind of, uh there's a wonderful scene in it where you can feel and see a little more of that dervish mentality. Hmm, cool. Also, the size of the fez that is in there, that's either part of their turban or whatever, or, you know, it's just the fez on their head, that also indicates status in that order. Oh. The bigger the fez, the newer you are in the order, your your fez gets a little shorter as you go on. Hmm,
2: so cool. Yes.
3: I'm sorry, I'm a college professor. I give way too much detail. My bad.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> that's good. All good.
1: George, this, this is a... Uh... One-minute analysis. So So we get pretty deep into things. Yeah. (laughs) All right. That's what we're looking for.
2: The Cubs soft-shoeing? Okay, the Cubs here, Bobby, do not have faces. So, George, just so you know, I don't know if you've listened to any of our previous episodes, but Bobby has this theory going that if the objects have faces, then they were previously people, and if they don't have faces, then they are just inanimate objects that have been powered basically by the curse to be animated so that they can live and accomplish things that need to be done in the castle and i'm starting more and more during this song to think that i don't really i think that even if they don't have faces they still used to be people
1: hmm. why is that
2: um well one. Uh, well i mean it's in the next minute <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'm
3: gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and say this. Ready? I think it's because they didn't want to animate all those faces.
2: I, I think you <laughs> that's probably the biggest reason why. But yeah, so
3: I mean, because if you have a face, then they've got to say a line. I mean, uh, what's it referred to in literature and in theater? It's referred to as Chekhov's gun. If you put something on stage or you put something there, it's got to be used. It's got to be dealt with. It's got somehow there's something there for a reason for it. So they don't give these things faces. So therefore they never have to say a lot and we never have to wonder about it because they don't really interact. Um, it's just by their movement.
2: Well, and also we know that they were getting short on time when they were trying to finish this movie. So <laughs> it makes sense that they were like, okay, we're not going to animate everything. We're going to give faces to everything that's animated in the castle.
1: Yeah. And I remember in the the, the commentary, on the 25th version that we're using, they talked about kind of the same thing. They're like, yeah, we assigned, you know, some of the objects to be people and have, like, characters behind them. But there was no way we could do that for everything. So right. they were just like, oh, whatever. We'll <laughs> do the ones we do and not do the other ones.
3: Yeah. And so they just give the personality. I mean, it's it's the chorus. They just give, right. them, they give them a basic personality, but then they're, they're kind of copy and pasted, you know. It's only remarkable because there's so many yeah. of them. Yeah but essentially they're all one character.
2: Well, and this is the place where they can conserve their energies in regards to that because like in the tavern scene with the song Gaston, they have those are all people. The people have to have faces and hair and body shape and clothes and all those things whereas with this in the and castle and and- they they can get away with it because they're all you have a bunch of dishes and in a dish set They're all the same. You have a bunch of cups in a cup set. They're all the same. So Mm -hmm. um, this is probably where they're like, well, we can conserve some of our energy here. (laughs) But um...
3: Um, Another cool thing that they do, uh, once again, this is from another standpoint. This is uh, what's known as the uh, bouncing ball test in animation. When you draw a bouncing ball, you can't actually draw what a ball really does because that's really boring. You have to show the ball really compress and seem like it's jumping. And so that's what they do with the cups. They make them stretch and shrink, you know, and kind of warp and deform themselves, which a normal cup, you know, would break under that kind of stress. Right. And they do that to help your mind to track what's happening and also to give them a little more personality. But, yeah, when they're spinning, they totally get tall and skinny. And then when they're ready to jump, you know, they get short and fat.
2: I actually have noticed that with a lot of the animation since we've been going minute by minute, there are times where I just um do my like stop and start really fast so you can see frame by frame, and there are some parts where like um LeFou's face will be doing something that you're like that is not how a face works, or um, <laughs> some of the i mean just things are moving in a way, and you see them caught in this one frame. Doing something that you're like, that would not happen. That thing wouldn't move that way. But your brain doesn't process it that way when you're watching the film all going together. It just looks like it's happening the way it's supposed to. So I hadn't really thought about the fact that they have to do that to create the illusion of movement that they need. To make it a moving picture,
3: yeah, it's the same thing as a as a big windup on stage before you go and turn the lights off or something like that. Um, yeah, it really helps the people. It really helps the people in the booth to understand. You know, I'm going to turn the lights off, or in this case, I'm going to do a jump. But it really, really helps the audience as well because this is animation. I mean, it's not like they're actually physically there. It's not like you're going to hear the wind of all the passage and everything. You're going to hear a little clink as the cups jump around or whatever. But truly, it's by them stretching because. In animation you have to you have to be able to understand what's going to happen about a half second before it actually does happen
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well i had two thoughts on the Cubs, and the first one was this spinning that they're doing looks uh looks pretty intense and yesterday we talked about how they probably at least in my opinion had to have like practiced all this stuff that they're doing for their for their big performance so maybe that's how chip got his chip was trying to, to practice doing these spins and stuff and he span out of control and uh chipped himself
2: (laughs) that's sad
3: either that or mrs pot slammed into him because he wasn't fast enough getting out of (laughs) the way
1: that's why he's the favorite because she's disfigured him (laughs) (laughs) knocked
3: out his tooth (laughs) because in the end you know when he comes back he doesn't have a tooth
1: Uh. Oh my god! And my other question was, uh, I don't know if either of y'all know, but I didn't. What is soft shoeing? Because she says the the cups do their soft shoeing.
3: It's a style of dance. So if tap and clocking are like hard shoes. They're things that produce a very percussive sound. A uh, soft shoe is a, is a is a style of dance where you're not where you're not doing that effect um it's relying much more it's much more closely related to ballet and if you look you know they're doing semi-ballet moves as cops you know with their tight pirouettes and then their their jumps
2: hmm, that's a good point yes yeah, they do a lot of ballet based movement in this whole movie we've noticed mm-hmm. so far so that doesn't surprise me at all what
3: it's classic french what
2: <laughs> <laughs> shocking right uh I know. but yeah, soft shoeing was popular in vaudeville a lot, so super,
1: super duper. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Now I know. I feel like at the end of this process I will understand every line in this movie and what it's referring to. Hopefully.
2: You'll never be able to watch it the same way again.
1: Yeah. I don't know if that's good or bad, but true. You
3: will only be able to watch it by slowly going through the game by frame. (laughs) it. You want to watch Beauty and the Beast? I don't have four hours. I'm sorry. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so where exactly does the spot come from that's on Mrs. Potts? Because one minute, she does not have a spot, and then the next minute, it is there. Is it just okay, movie magic, um, or do either of you have a theory about this? We
3: never actually see that side of her below her. Well,
2: I think we do. Until then.
3: No, we don't. I'm watching through frame by frame from the moment she looks yes, like do. right, there, right <laughs> at the sink. Right at the sink, we see that she doesn't have a spot. And then, and then at the napkins... From the napkins on, we don't see her with the spot. So my guess is she gets it when she jumps onto the oven. Besides, what is a ceramic teapot doing on a stovetop? (sighs)
2: She's warming up.
3: Ceramic teapot on a stove does not work, or porcelain does not work that well. It will shatter. It will break.
2: I'm not disagreeing with you, but... (laughs) I don't know.
1: I, I also think that's how she got the spot, is just jumping on the, the dirty stove.
2: Come on, Mrs. Potts, what are you thinking?
3: Although I do think it's kind of funny that the pots themselves are so clean she can see her reflection <laughs> in them. <that. laughs>
0: mm.
1: But the
3: stove is so dirty she picked up a spot somewhere. I think it's really making that line make sense.
0: Uh,
1: yeah. So are these like, are these copper pots? Or are they like heated up to be that color?
3: Ooh. That's, I don't know. I think there's, they could go either way because the stove itself is red yeah and the that's super hot i mean that's burning food hot that's not cooking food hot mm. i really think they cheated and so they just use that warm red orange color to kind of get that fire idea mm-hmm. maybe they, yeah maybe and so uh to make it warm or maybe they're just reflecting the fire that's underneath this is true well
1: i like how um and this part of the music, like the the orchestration, they have the little pipes or, or whatever it is that, that's making the noise from, you know, giving you the feeling that it's the, the steam from the pots doing it. So I like that. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's like those, that cup and cream pots flew out of the cabinet.
1: Pretty much. I mean, they just kind of jumped for it.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well... Once again, I'm presuming they know what they're. You know, they've done this kind of thing they before. They are
2: skilled.
3: Well, they jump out with it and they use it as a big old parachute.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true.
3: Although, truly, there's not enough time for the parachute to actually inflate with air and stop you. But you know, real physics versus magical talking <laughs> people You know, <laughs> when are you going to draw the line?
1: This podcast is an interesting mix of like physics, <laughs> science laws, and magic.
2: Magic. <laughs> <laughs> magic. <laughs> That looks like a bumpy ride too, by the way. It is the cart is like bumping up and down. Makes it's dancing to the music. It's gonna be a bumpy ride.
3: Absolutely. That's a line you, from Harry you know, Potter. The best part is Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Potts, yes. Mrs. Potts doesn't break her notes for a second even when she's bouncing. It's not like the air changes on its way out of the lungs. Yeah. She's able to hold her hold her notes and everything consistently. She, you don't hear the bumps in her voice. <laughs> you won't hear the background noise.
2: Is it weird that I think of an elephant a lot of the time when we when I look at her during these freezed frames? I'm like, man, that nose just looks so much. Li- I mean, the spout looks so much like an elephant nose. Well, that's the idea?
3: I mean, what what are you going to do with it?
2: Right there, it wouldn't work any other way.
3: No, although uh, <laughs> one of my one of my good friends, um, she posted on face- Facebook um her daughter said mom why does mrs potts sound like uh um what's what's her name for murder she wrote uh, her, angela her lansbury murder, she wrote. yeah well, that's the actress but no, uh, jessica the... fletcher. oh jessica
2: fletcher <laughs> yeah
3: jessica fletcher why does mrs potts sound like jessica fletcher <laughs> and that's that cracked me up i was like way to go way to introduce your child to murder she wrote before beauty and the beast
2: <laughs> that is so funny
3: <laughs> anyway sorry Notice how detailed and stuff these backgrounds kind of are or when they are and when they aren't. I mean they're kinda of, they're kinda of detailed at the start of the dishes thing and then they simplify. And then they mm-hmm. get complex and then they simplify. And so I mean, once they get back to the dining room, it becomes super simple. It just becomes this background here of this of this screen. I think part of that is it's um, it's because there's so much business going on that we don't have time to look at the background. Right. When the when the action is fairly simple, then then they give us more background to kind of help us place stuff. But I mean, even the table is like not even well defined. I mean, just like a red expanse that kind of half textured.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. See, this is the stuff I didn't even notice like watching it slowly, and now I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> We interrupt this podcast to bring you an unfortunate and special announcement. That we did try to recover some of the audio that we lost from George, but unfortunately, we were not able to do that. So, for the remainder of this podcast, it was drastically cut down, and we we're really sorry that we lost a lot of his awesome commentary and comments. Um, I was able to salvage some of the stuff that Janae and I said that didn't sound really confusing without george's input and uh so sorry about that sorry george uh next time we'll try to get another backup to make sure this doesn't happen but hopefully you've enjoyed the podcast so far and uh we'll go ahead and wrap up here with just janae and i and thanks for listening guys
2: i thought they did such a good job with these vases
1: Mm -hmm. and they have mouths but they don't have eyes
2: yeah i just love how person like they can make these objects that you're like how in the world would you? think of making that thing into a person and people at disney are just incredible at doing that
1: the well i mean there's a few things to go on here so i'm gonna go ahead and jump to my last note and then if y'all have anything we can definitely come back to it but the last thing i have is where all these like the dishes and the cups and stuff are doing their act i don't even know what you would call it and that really reminds me of something and i thought it was hercules And I tried to go back and like find the part in Hercules that was like that, but I didn't go through the whole movie, so I I couldn't figure it out. Um, And it might not even be Hercules, but that definitely reminds me of something that I've seen in another movie, unless I'm just remembering it from this movie.
2: (laughs) (sighs) This part kind of reminds me a little bit of the part in Sword in the Stone where he starts washing the dishes with magic so that they can go away and have a lesson. Kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Going back for a second... If we're done talking about that, mm-hmm. um, I uh, just two things left that I wanted to say about this minute. One was that I just love how these feather dusters, the maids come up behind all of the flower vases and they're just going. They're not stopping. And uh, <laughs> Cogsworth is like, no, no, no. Ah, And then he like runs away because he's um, being chased by these feather dusters that are not stopping for him. And I think that's kind of like a theme throughout this song is that they are not stopping for Cogsworth. They're not listening to him. They are like, dude, get on board or get out of the way because we are doing our thing. My last thought was just one of my favorite lines in this, well, probably my favorite line in this minute at least is when they sing. It's been years since we've had anybody here and we're obsessed and I just love it because there's, you can tell, they're just like at the height, they can't contain how they feel about what is going on and about doing this for her and about providing this experience and this food for her and I think we all have those things in our lives where we just get so focused and zeroed in and intense about something that we are obsessed and i just love that line that lyric in this song and that they're just kind of like shout it when they get to the word obsessed so that is the best ending to this minute i think <laughs> did you have any other last thoughts about this minute george Thank you so much for joining us and for giving us your expertise and your knowledge. We've enjoyed having you. If anyone would like to get a hold of George, you can't. (laughs) He's too busy. No. (laughs) And if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can listen to my portfolio on jeneehayat.com. Um and you can also follow me on Facebook at JH Voiceover. If you would like to like, subscribe, share our podcast, we would love it and appreciate it. And um let anyone you know who's interested in Disney, in Beauty and the Beast know about us so that they can enjoy listening to insanely detailed descriptions and analysis of this movie. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can find us at Beastly Minute on Twitter as well as on Facebook. And we have our listeners Facebook group, Beauty and the Beastly Minute listeners library. If you would like to get a hold of Bobby, you can contact him through growlermedia.com where he can answer any questions or concerns that you have. And I believe that is it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to Duo Hansen for our intro and outro Music they are supremely Talented and we love having Their music on our podcast Bobby Do you have a- I concur <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a, a going Away slogan for today because I Don't have one um, no something about Obsessed that's what we should do
1: go For it go for it
2: uh, I don't like doing them I like it when you do them <laughs> <laughs> Okay
1: So be sure and come back to be with us again because We're obsessed <laughs>
2: Yay!
1: Woo, <laughs> that was too great. Oh, my
2: goodness. Sometimes they're really bad, because so, sometimes there's just nothing good in the minute to use. That's it. That's our minute. Pretty cool looking though i think thank the shot where exact <laughs> golly my mouth is not working as fast as my brain tonight so
1: delete this podcast is an interesting mix of like physics science laws and magic
2: <laughs> that's it that's our minute we are doing our thing
3: i'm keeping your bones